Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. That was the time I was like, oh, I'm, I'm dying. Like, I'm 100%. I said it to mum multiple times and she gets upset because I was like, just let me go. A psychotic break is what it felt like. My brain felt like it was on fire. I had no control over anything. I would be crying over nothing. And you just look at um, the non-physical manifestations of the things it has robbed them of. In the first year or two, every appointment we used to go over, Claudia's question would always be, one of her last questions would be, well, when will I be better? Now she doesn't ask that anymore. This programme documents the story of two sisters in their 20s, Siobhan and Cloda Laffey from Curraha in County Meath, who've both been diagnosed with chronic Lyme disease, which is passed to humans from the bite of an infected tick. Siobhan, who studied social work in college, travelled to the United States each year to teach disadvantaged children at a summer camp in Maine. In 2009, her health began to deteriorate and after undergoing many tests, she was diagnosed two years later with fibromyalgia. In the summer of 2013, following in her sister's footsteps, Cloda, who was studying occupational therapy, travelled to the same summer camp. On her return, she too became ill. Little did they know that this was to be the start of what they now describe as a heartbreaking, isolating, painful, scary and exhausting journey. Despite being referred to numerous specialists in neurology and infectious disease, no doctor could shed any light on why a previously active and healthy 20-year-old woman was suddenly bedbound and experiencing severe neurological episodes. Clodagh was seen by many specialists in Ireland and at one stage she was sent for a lumbar puncture. But what did doctors tell her when her results came back? The doctor was like, oh, it's all clear. And I kind of just sighed because I was like really hoping for any sort of result. And when I sighed, she was just like, you should be so grateful that nothing is coming up in like your spinal fluid and everything like that. But for me, I was like, 
what the hell is wrong with me then? Like, that was the end of the line. I was like, well, you said this was the last test to determine something. And that's when it was kind of told to stop reappearing. Because I used to go probably once a week because they told me to keep coming back if I was bad. And I would have severe neurological episodes and go back. And then it was basically told I was stressed and it was in my head and I'll never forget because I had to get the Lewis home that day the one day mum couldn't bring me to the appointment I just cried like the whole way like it was a horrific time now looking back I'm like how can you leave a patient who's so vulnerable and so upset with no diagnosis just leaving your office like that in tears it's just such bad practice it's not safe like if I didn't have my parents I don't know what I would have done if I was like I'm not going through this hell nightmare for the rest of my life of going from consultant to consultant with no light as to what's happening to me After learning of Clodagh's ill health, her friend's mother, who was a nurse, asked if she had been tested for Lyme disease. At this point, Clodagh and her parents had never heard of the condition and began to do some research, which eventually led to her being tested for Lyme in Ireland. However, her results came back negative. I got tested in Northern Ireland first because when I came home in 2013 from America, I was in college up there, so that's where all my treatment was being based. But I got a false positive, and that was from the ELISA and the Western blot. So they ruled out Lyme disease straight away. And then we got it done in Ireland again, but it came back negative. But the testing's highly inaccurate, and it misses like 70% of the cases, so you can't take that on its own. It was my dad who found that out and was like, we're not ruling it out just because of the test, because when he read up on it and all the symptoms, he was like, it really sounds like you've Lyme disease and because I was in an area that was known for like tick-borne diseases for three months I was like a guinea pig going from specialist to specialist but nobody was connecting the dots from like my stomach to my spinal pain to my walking to at that stage back in 2013 I was losing the ability to walk I couldn't really talk and then I was suffering from temporary paralysis as well I'd be lying in bed and I'd be fully alert I could hear everything I could still in my mind know and be like Claudia get up but like my arms and legs wouldn't work like it was horrific I'd just be trapped and it might last half an hour or it might last six hours and I'd just be trapped in my body in my bed and I couldn't move after nine months of trying to find answers for Clota's condition in Ireland, her parents, Michael and Eleanor, couldn't bear to watch their daughter suffer any longer. Doctors in Ireland had ruled out Lyme disease and were unable to come up with any other explanation for her condition. While researching Lyme and knowing at this stage that Clota displayed many of the symptoms associated with it, they came across a clinic in Germany that specialises in the diagnosis and treatment of Lyme disease. They took the decision to travel to the BCA clinic in Augsburg, Germany, to meet with Dr. Karsten Nicholas, who specialises in treating people with tick-borne diseases. Clota had mixed emotions when her results from Germany came through. The results came back and showed that I did have the Lyme disease and six co-infections and an immune system that just wasn't working. And it was a weird moment because when we were in the doctor's office, he said this, but I was a little bit happy, but obviously not happy because I knew my body was like broken into pieces. But then I was like, finally, it's not in my head. Like there's actual blood results here. They're showing something is happening in my body and it's fighting a big battle. And then we decided to get treatment over there. There was no options in Ireland. Nobody accepted the blood results. I went back to my consultant and tried to give them to him, but they wouldn't accept German blood results. So then we did three weeks treatment over there, which was like IV antibiotics, vitamins, detox, and then all these holistic treatments and supplements and nutrition and basically how to fight the disease in general. On her return from Germany, Clodagh began to feel good. 
and immersed herself in college and exercise. However, things were about to take a drastic turn. I was still in a little bit of denial about what was happening and went straight back to college. My walking had come back, my speech had come back. And then, say, the Friday I came home back to um, Meath. A week later after that, I was bedbound for like two months on end. And it was just like a horrific, horrific time because I wasn't eating. And I forget, like, mum would have to lift me out of my bed and bring me into hers and dad's bed just to give me, like, a change of scenery because I couldn't get out of my bed. And, like, mum would have to assist me going to the bathroom and sharing. And then when it got so bad, she was literally trying to spoon-feed me yogurts because I couldn't eat anything without wanting to vomit. And, like, I was on the strongest nausea meds you could get, like, the ones people take when they're in chemotherapy. And then after two months of that, and then my weight going down, and then my spinal pain was out of control. I ended up in A&E and then hospitalized for, I think, six or seven days. That was the time I was like, oh, I'm, I'm dying. Like, I'm 100%. I said it to mum multiple times, and she gets upset because I was like, just let me go. Like, this is horrific. And I still was met with a bit of, like, why don't you get up and walk around the room? from nurses and stuff and that's so upsetting when I'm like I clearly want to but I can't dad always says he remembers like he'd kiss me goodbye going to work and come back and I'd be in the exact same position so I'm sure that was stressful on mum and dad as well so at the end of the hospital stay I'd got loads of testing done and it was the diagnosis of a hiatus hernia which a lot of people have like but it shouldn't cause the symptoms I had but Lyme has a way of any sort of weakness in the body it will attack it and make the symptoms way way worse so that's what was happening in my case I was still very weak and bed bound for a month but at least I was beginning to stomach a little bit of food but at that stage obviously I had to defer college which was really upsetting then a couple of weeks later I was strong enough to go back on the medication under Dr Nicholas slowly building it up and then from there I was able to finish off my degree but from home I was never able to go back up to Belfast When Clodagh was diagnosed with chronic Lyme disease in Germany, her sister Siobhan began to do some research and realised she too had many of the symptoms associated with Lyme disease. And even though she had been diagnosed with fibromyalgia in Ireland, she decided to get tested for Lyme in Germany. She subsequently tested positive for chronic Lyme disease and a number of co-infections. Her father Michael describes how it affected her. When she was in college, um, she actually lost the use of her right arm and she was unable to write her exams and the college, in fairness, um, supported her and gave her a scribe and yet we couldn't get an explanation as to how did this suddenly happen for somebody that was so fit and active and she was MRI scanned and she was at different consultants. Eventually we got a label, as we would call it, a fibromyalgia put on that but not really any great explanation as to, well, where did this suddenly drop out of the sky from? As a parent to, um, I suppose, see see your child um, reduced to what you see in front of you, somebody who can't climb a stairs, somebody who's in constant pain, and yet when you look at them at times like young girls, they'll go in and they'll put their makeup on, and other people look at them, can't see what we see, and I suppose we as parents, you know, would you take it yourself? Absolutely. Last year, both Siobhan and Clodagh took the decision to travel to the BCA clinic in Germany for intravenous treatment. They had been responding well to oral medication under the care of Dr. Nicholas, taking up to 40 tablets a day. However, they were hit by a virus and were forced to come off their medication. 
as their stomachs were too weak to tolerate the antibiotics. We were both doing really well on the oral medication and we both started part-time jobs and then out of nowhere we got this really bad vomiting viral bug and we were never able to go back on the oral medication again. Our stomachs were just ruined. So then our doctor called us over for a consultation and he wasn't happy that we hadn't still got the breakthrough with our treatment and that IV would be our only option because it obviously bypasses the stomach and it can build up a good amount of antibiotics to kill the bacteria. We had no choice but to go to Germany because we researched loads of even private clinics in Ireland but nobody would touch us with the diagnosis of Lyme disease to give us IV treatment. Siobhan picks up the story from there. So then we decided to move over to Germany. So mum gave up her job and came with myself and Clodagh. We were in the clinic from about nine in the morning until like three o'clock, four o'clock, just depending on the day. And we got all our antibiotics and vitamins and everything through the IV and then we'd go and do our like strength and rehab training and our oxygen and light and all the other stuff that we do in there. And we actually were doing really, really good. And then around the end of August we picked up a viral infection that was going around. It sort of hit the two of us quite hard and we deteriorated a lot. Dr Nicholas then stopped the antibiotic treatment to give Siobhan and Cloda time to recover from the virus. They came off their medication for two weeks to detox and to allow their immune systems build back up again. When we switched up and did the two-week detox, you usually need sort of like six to eight weeks to see how you go on those antibiotics and if they're making a difference to know if that's like a good treatment for you to stick on. So I did feel I was improving. Then when we had the appointment in the start of November, I talked to him about, well, what about going home? He was happy enough and agreed that if we could stay till the end of November, sort of start of December, that he was confident our bodies would have recovered enough that hopefully we could transition to the oral medication. Thankfully, um, I tolerated them really well. Siobhan and Cloda returned to Ireland at the end of November last year after six months of IV treatment in Germany. They then started on their oral medication. When I travelled to Germany to speak with Dr Nicholas at his clinic, he told me that he has been treating patients from Ireland for nearly 10 years. We noticed very early, so starting around year 2009-2010, that there was going on in Ireland as well. Since then, we got on a regular basis uh, patients uh, presenting the typical clinical findings, some with confirmed infection of Lyme disease, but there's also a higher number without getting confirmation in the regular testing, the so-called two-tier testing. But in most of the cases in what we call cellular testing, that there could something going on regarding Lyme disease. We are well trained and uh, we have learned that statistically um, patients having Lyme have automatically three to five uh, additionally infectious diseases. Could be viral infections, could be bacterial infections or parasitic infections which are new or reactivated. Dr. Nicholas recalls Siobhan and Cloda's journey in terms of their diagnosis and treatment from the time they first travelled to his clinic. At the beginning, the response was pretty good, but unfortunately, after some time, both had uh, some problems uh, with side effects of the antibiotics, which could happen. We had always breaks between the treatment due to mostly gastrointestinal issues. So on some of the protocols, they responded very well with a lot of improvement. After a certain time, you know, you can't stay all your life on antibiotics. So it's a normal approach to go for some time on antibiotics for several 
weeks, months. So we have always used in the past treatment protocols for several months, having a break, even to see where we are and then doing a restart. And that is exactly what we have done with Shoban and uh, Cloda. So beginning of last year, we got again very severe gastrointestinal issues so that we had to stop all antimicrobial treatments uh, for some time. So we started again with IV treatment. So at the beginning, the response was pretty good. But after a certain time, there was again onset of uh, several side effects and some other health issues so that we had to change the treatment protocol and again to make a break for several weeks. And in autumn, uh, we did a restart. So in one sister with a conventional treatment protocol based on uh, completely a bit more old-fashioned uh, antibiotics and with her sister based on a herbal protocol. So meanwhile, uh, the situation improved again. In Siobhan and Cloda's case, Dr. Nicholas believes their co-infections are the major issue. However, he says this is the case with a lot of his patients. Dr. Nicholas had Skyped Siobhan and Cloda a couple of hours before I interviewed him to check in with them and see how they were responding to the protocol. Today we decided to switch again the treatment uh, to get more focus on the co-infection because my believing is that this uh, biggest challenge. So we have learned this in many other Irish patients. So Lyme disease could be very tricky and challenging for patients, but if there's uh, any presence of a co-infection and the biggest uh, challenge uh, I personally see in presence of Bartonella infection at the same time, and this is a very common bacterial infection which show up more and more in nearly all uh, European countries. So even over the past 10 years, we have noticed dramatically increase of Lyme disease as well as uh, of the co-infection. So in some countries, the incidence for Bartonella is now up to 30 or 31 percent in the ticks. For Barbesia, it's even higher, up to 40 percent. Beside Borrelia, and we have a huge bunch of other uh, bacteria and viral co-infection, uh, which we find all on a regular base. Later in this program, we will hear more about the different test systems used for detecting Lyme disease and co-infections in Ireland and in Germany. In Ireland, the two-tier test, known as the ELISA and Western Blot test, is used. In Germany, however, a different test is used, known as the ELISPOT or Lyme Spot. We have our own specialized lab, uh, which is uh, fully certified and accredited here in Germany and in Europe. And uh, we can offer, beside the uh, two-tier testing, many other test systems to get much better and more sufficient information about the actual current status of patients. So besides the serology, we are always going for these testing called cellular testing. So this is uh, the ELUSPOT or the new generation is called LIMESPOT testing, Additionally, we can go for genetic testing, so based on confirmation of the bacterial or viral DNA based on PCR testings. And uh, last year, we have successfully started to culture uh, Borrelia, so from biopsies and uh, from uh, blood tissues. While Siobhan and Cloda's parents felt travelling to Germany for treatment has helped their daughters immensely, they are angry that they couldn't be treated in Ireland due to the fact that they had tested negative for Lyme disease in Ireland under the two-tier testing system. In order to try and help our girls, we had to take them from their home to a foreign country where they couldn't speak the language. They were isolated from their friends. I just 
wish that we could have been able to get the treatment at home and there wasn't a choice. It was go there or just put up with what's going on here. But we never expected and always knew going over it that they weren't going to come home better, but at least on a better road to improving. I think it has been hugely beneficial to go to Germany, there's no question about that, because they were literally in a clinic 25 weeks, Monday to Friday, and as different symptoms were manifesting up and down, it was dealt with there and then, and you weren't remotely trying to ring the clinic or get tablets that was dealt with. It was all IV infusions. Dr Nicholas would say, your best hope is IV because um, tablets have so many barriers to get through before they can target the different infections, whereas IV gets in much quicker to the system. Michael and Eleanor believe Lyme disease has had a massive impact on their daughters, not only from a physical perspective. And I used to say to Michael, it was like living in a Lyme bubble because you get up in the morning, go into the clinic all day in there, come home, eat if they were able to eat and bed. Like sometimes the girls would say the highlight of the week was we went for coffee. And I just saw it, how sad. And that leads, I suppose, to, if you want to call it the physical manifestation of symptoms and aches and pains. But the other thing in the background, and I would say is, um, the language I'd use is, they have been robbed of so much, you know. Uh, Their social lives, uh, their friends are hugely supportive, but they're at an age and they've had this so long, their friends are all moving on, the girls look at them, it has robbed them of their careers. Stevens is nice, we were sitting in at the fire and I can't help but remember looking at them thinking the two of them sitting on the couch and they were absolutely in the horrors and a few years back they would have been up in their room there would have been a buzz the makeup would have been put on they'd be getting dressed and showered and washed to go out with all their friends on Stephen's night and you just look at um, as I said the, the, the non-physical manifestations of the things it has robbed them of you know Alec Baldwin, Avril Lavigne, Yolanda Foster and Ben Stiller are just a handful of celebrities who've contracted Lyme disease. Closer to home, former Kerry footballer Anthony Morris also went public with his journey on Lyme. Ali Hilfiger, Tommy Hilfiger's daughter, wrote a book about her experience with Lyme disease titled Bite Me. Cloda read the book, which has helped her in dealing with issues such as depression. I've basically been in survival mode for 90% of my life the last four years. I feel like I've never got to the point of living life to the fullest. And it helps when you read other people's stories and then Facebook pages like TikTok Ireland. One that stuck with me in particular was Ali Hilfiger, who's Tommy Hilfiger's daughter. Her dad, um, in the midst of her battle with Lyme disease, got her admitted to a psychiatric unit. Obviously, at the time, they didn't know she had Lyme disease, but that just shows how bad Lyme can like attack your brain and mimic psychiatric disorders that you can appear to have all these symptoms, but it's actually Lyme in the background. And that's how she started getting in the psychiatric unit diagnosis of Lyme disease and started her journey of healing and recovery. You can suffer with depression and people call it Lyme rage, anxiety. It kind of exuberates all the symptoms that you might have already. And it's a side that people don't talk about, the mental health side of Lyme disease. Like it's very, very draining and emotionally hard every day dealing with it, like anxiety and depression. And then one of our treatments would be counselling. And I used to be ashamed of saying it, but then I was like, why am I? Because it's just like I'm going to physio for my legs 
and I'm going to counselling to help my mind out because I'm going through a grief of a life I used to have. So counselling really helps me. So I don't want to be ashamed of saying that or saying that like I struggle daily on a, men- like on a mental health basis and it needs to be talked about more. I've had multiple days where I'm like, oh my God, let me just close my eyes and end this. Like, I don't want this as my life. I don't want to keep living this day in, day out. But then you never know if you wake up the next day, you might get your breakthrough. There finally might be a protocol that's released that might heal you. So if you give up now, it's worth it for all the years you've spent fighting that you might find something that works for you. Just like her sister, Siobhan too experienced a very low point. It happened soon after she returned from Germany after being diagnosed. I was driving home from work every day crying. Like I was struggling not to cry at my desk. Like everything hurt. I was on like the fifth or sixth floor and there was no lift. So I had to climb the stairs and my heart rate would be going crazy because one of the co-infections I have, I have to keep my heart rate below a certain thing. So I'd get to my desk and I'd be ready to pass out. And my nausea was really bad. So I wasn't eating. So I just had no energy and no one in work knew So I just felt like so like isolated, so alone, like just felt like I couldn't do anything. And would come home crying in the car and come home and sit at the kitchen with mum crying. At this point, Siobhan felt she had no other option but to hand in her resignation. The worst was yet to come. And that was around May and in June I was just went through like a psychotic break is what it felt like because my brain felt like... It was on fire. That's the only way I can describe it. I had no control over anything. I would be crying over nothing. I would be in these like insane rages over nothing. And I would rage about something and then be like, Siobhan, you don't even care that you didn't have a cup of tea. Like, why are you so insane? And it was like I could see everything that was happening. And I was like, this isn't an emotional response to this illness. Like, there's something in my brain that is making me feel like I'm going crazy like if I go to counseling we can talk but I was like it's not going to get rid of whatever's in my brain I was just in bed every day crying every day um sorry we skyped my doctor and he was like that's Bartonella and we need to change your medication like ASAP and they changed it and within a month like all of that was gone (laughs) so It was just uh, a scary, tough time. You're broken down and tired Of living life on the merry-go-round And you can't find a fighter But I see it in you, so we can walk it out Move mountains And I Since 2006, Dr. Nicholas has treated more than 25,000 patients with Lyme disease at his clinic in Augsburg. Sadly, the number of people travelling from Ireland is increasing every year. 
We have several hundred patients uh, seen from Ireland. The first challenge is to find the correct diagnosis. And the second challenge is to start treatment due to individual problems with tolerance and some other health issues. So what we have seen that minimum two-thirds of the patient will uh, show up with dramatically improvement. In another 20 to 25 percentage, we see improvement of the patient for several symptom complaints, but still remaining some health issues. And the failure rate on treatment is actually somewhere between 3 and 5 percent. Studies have found that in the case of pregnant women, the fetus is also at risk of contracting Lyme if the expectant mother has been infected, as Dr. Nicholas explains. Women who had Lyme or who have chronic Lyme getting pregnant have a 20% risk of transmission of the infection to the fetus. The risk increases dramatically if a pregnant woman uh, will get an acute tick bite with transmission of acute or stage 1 or stage 2 Lyme disease, then the risk is uh, up to 80%. So there's definitely a need uh, in pregnant women uh, for treatment when it's coming up that there is a stage 1 or stage 2 of Lyme disease. Otherwise, the risk for the fetus or to get a healthy baby uh, is very, very high. Dr. Jack Lambert is a consultant in infectious disease at the Matter Hospital Dublin and UCD. It's not unusual for him to treat patients with Lyme disease who have previously been misdiagnosed. I've been in Ireland for 13 years now, and prior to that I was in America where I saw lots of patients with Lyme, but actually didn't start seeing patients with Lyme in Ireland until about four years ago when I realized that nobody else was seeing these patients and patients were having to leave the country to go get their conditions treated. I work in the public hospital and I also have a private clinic, and because of limitations in what I can test in the public, I actually have to see patients mostly in the private system. But I've probably seen about 500 patients over the last number of years with some with acute Lyme, just from a recent tick bite, and then some patients with chronic conditions that were previously diagnosed as chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, some neurological diseases where further testing actually showed that they actually did have Lyme or infections similar to Lyme. And those patients with the right treatment actually had reversal of their symptoms. So I think Lyme and these infections in Ireland is, are an underdiagnosed condition. And there's a lot of people out there in Ireland and elsewhere who have been diagnosed uh, by neurologists or rheumatologists with other conditions. And doctors haven't even thought that Lyme could be causing these conditions. I think misdiagnosis in Ireland is a big issue. There's poor reporting in Ireland on how common Lyme is. We don't keep statistics. And then Irish people travel all over the world and they often get tick bites abroad and they bring back infections and doctors in Ireland and specialists in Ireland don't even think Lyme is not on the radar screen. In many cases, Dr. Lambert has seen patients who have tested negative for Lyme in Ireland under the two-tier testing system ELISA and Western Blot and as a result have gone untreated and have developed what can be referred to as chronic Lyme disease. I can give you an example of a fitness instructor running her own, her own company, marathon runner, up in the, the mountains. I won't name the mountains in Ireland, but all of a sudden, flu-like illness, doesn't remember rash, but got sick and unwell in an environment where there's lots of ticks around. Did the testing from Germany after the Irish tests were negative. At that time, she's debilitated, unable to work, has to close down her fitness company. 
unable to walk. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let alone run, gets diagnosed, gets put on treatment. A year later, she's cured. But she went through three years of misdiagnosis, you know. She wanted to get better. And she wasn't willing to be told you've got fibromyalgia, you've got chronic pain syndrome. So I've got hundreds of people that previously were well, that for years and years, you know, had lots of vague symptoms, nobody coming up with a specific diagnosis, but they weren't willing to settle for it. And somebody come down from Donegal who knew they got a tick bite four years ago, and they used to run. And then four years later, they're on with chronic pain on pain medicines. They got the test done in Germany. The doctor I think should have diagnosed Lyme four years ago. The GP knew nothing about what a bullseye ring was. It was never diagnosed, disseminated through her body. So here, four years later, she's in chronic pain. She got the German tests. People ridiculed her for getting the German tests. The GP said they were no use. The consultant that the GP referred to said, these are just German tests who are making money off the Irish. So this lady has gone through four years of, you know, abuse, I think, as far as a misdiagnosis and then being told that she's making up her pain. And then when she gets alternative tests, being told these tests mean nothing. She's now on treatment and it's early days, but she's getting better. So I think we need to be more open-minded and we need to listen to patients. Just because we are not finding an answer doesn't mean there's nothing wrong with the patients. It means we don't have the right technology to come up with the right diagnosis. Dr Lambert believes Ireland needs to change its approach to testing and treating Lyme patients and adopt some of the measures other countries have taken. 
I was out in Cape Cod in the springtime, and every national park has watch out for the poison ivy, watch out for the ticks. If you're in Poland, people, when they come back from the woods, they, they check each other for ticks and pull them off, and they put their clothes in the, the washer or dryer and wash it off to get rid of the ticks. Even just in South County Dublin, near the Wicklow Mountains, you know, Connemara, Kerry, Donegal, there's lime all over Ireland, and there's co-infections as well. There's other bacteria like anaplasma, and there's well-reported cases of Babesia, people coming down sick, which is another tick-borne infection. So even if your Lyme test is negative, maybe you've got a second infection from a tick bite. Lyme is not the only bacteria that ticks carry. In many cases, those who cannot secure a positive diagnosis for Lyme in Ireland travel abroad. Their medical insurance doesn't cover the costs and families are being put under huge financial strain. Siobhan and Clota's parents, Michael and Eleanor, count themselves lucky for the financial support they have received from their extended family and local community. We've both been totally overwhelmed and blown away. In this day and age, with the demands on people... And yet so many people in our community here came together. And not even just our friends and family, but it's been mind-blowing the amount of people who we don't know, probably will never meet, who have supported and helped us. We never went looking for support, if you follow me, I suppose. Like all families, you're private to try and deal with these things. But people in the community came to us that know us and that know the girls and says we want to do this we want to help out um how are you managing how are you coping yeah. and we want to try and do something and we were up at um a fair in the hall and since we've been in Curraha 25 years and even in Ashburn before that we've always been involved as a family in school board of management parents association the ga okay. club the tennis club the parish cleaning committee you name it and I remember passing comment to um, a more elderly member of the community was up there saying, my God, I can't get over what people are doing. And her reply was, but sure, you did it as a family for years yeah. for the community. And it's time that you got so support back. TikTok Ireland was set up over 10 years ago. It's a volunteer-run support group for Lyme patients in Ireland. The group has set up an online forum where members can offer support and advice to each other and share their experiences of being diagnosed and treated in Ireland and in other countries. Anne Marr joined the group when it was first established in 2009. At the moment we have 2,300 members on TikTok Ireland. Many are going abroad to different countries to get tested and treated. It is just a shame that with a little more knowledge in this country, more accurate testing, that nobody need go anywhere. And it is so expensive on families. Marriages breaking up, houses have to be remortgaged to fund these trips. They could have two and three members of a family with this disease. Anne was bitten by a tick in the United States over 20 years ago. She tested negative for Lyme disease in Ireland several times. Due to the financial cost involved with being treated abroad, she hasn't been able to afford proper treatment. I got ill after a trip to the States in '95. After 15 months, I got Bell's palsy. So my GP did some research and reckoned that all my symptoms uh, fitted in with Lyme disease. But he didn't know much about it, so he referred me to an infectious disease specialist in Dublin. 
Because my tests were negative, I was told I didn't have Lyme disease. So after a long time, maybe another year, I was referred to another infectious disease specialist and my tests were negative again. And if I had got treatment at the early stages of that, which would be antibiotics, I would probably have made a full recovery. I borrowed the money in the credit union. I had blood tests done in Switzerland, Germany, and some were sent to the States. And I had Lyme disease and microplasma fermentants, which is a co-infection that's familiar to New Jersey, where I was at the time. The relief after eight years, I asked the doctor, could I give her a hug? Because after all these years, someone actually believed me that I was ill. There is a general consensus among Lyme patients in Ireland that the two-tier testing system is inaccurate. However, in a written reply to a parliamentary question in July 2017, the Health Minister Simon Harris stated that using this two-stage approach will give a great degree of certainty around the diagnosis of Lyme. But what does Dr Lambert think of this two-stage approach? It still misses 50% of the cases. The tests that are done in Germany are done from private laboratories at the present time, and they're called Elispot assays. So lots of people have actually had to go elsewhere to look for alternative tests. Or if you're in another country and you've got a tick bite and you're sick, even without the antibody test, experienced Lyme doctors will put patients on antibiotics and cure them. And in Ireland, we just don't have that mindset. So lots of people are not even treated when there is a history of a tick bite and a condition that sounds like Lyme. So we've got a long way to go in terms of having better diagnostic tests, a better understanding and better education of Lyme, and also understanding how to treat and how long to treat. Surprisingly, the Elispot test is frequently used in Ireland, but not to test patients for Lyme disease. We use Elispot assays all the time for other conditions in Ireland. Every hospital has a machine that does LA spot testing. It's called the TB quantifiering tests. So if you've been exposed to TB, you can do an LA spot for TB. It's the exact same technology, but if you do it for Lyme in Germany, the doctors in Ireland will say, oh, that test doesn't mean anything. And that puzzles me. It's a new test. It's not been around as long, but if you've got somebody that's got a tick bite who's sick and they're unwell and they've got negative standard two-tier test and they go to Germany and get the German test, the Elispot test, and it's positive. My opinion is is that you should use new technology, just not downplay it because it's coming from an expensive private laboratory in Germany. I think you should actually embrace new tests, not discredit them. Everybody has a strong opinion in Ireland, GPs and specialists, microbiology and infectious disease specialists on. This is the only test we use but they've actually not done their homework and done the research. And I'm unable to do most of the tests in Ireland in the public hospital because they cost too much or other consultants I work with says, oh, there's no such thing as chronic Lyme. The two-tier test is the only way to go. So the frustration really is that it's hard for the patients, especially patients that can't afford to go to Germany or can't afford to get the private test done. Where do they go for their disease if the public hospital is not supportive of the testing and they don't have the alternative of paying extra money for private tests or traveling to America or Europe to get treatment. We should be treating everybody, just not those who have the financial resources to do so. 
In response to a parliamentary question submitted by Deputy Michal Martin in July 2017, the Health Minister stated that testing for Lyme borreliosis is currently undertaken in most of the larger hospitals in Ireland and as testing and treatment for Lyme borreliosis is widely available in Ireland, there is no requirement for people to travel to other EU member states to access these services. I asked Dr Nicholas if he thinks the two-tier testing system used in Ireland is accurate. Clear answer, no, definitely not. Two-tier testing in Ireland does not include all the different strains of Borrelia which are actually present in Europe. Unfortunately, one of the most often seen strain, Borrelia garinii strain, is not included in the Irish testing, and it's the same in UK as well. So in most of the other European countries, they have tried everything to include the most common strains, but this is different in UK and Ireland. There's something missing which could lead to seronegative results. Another problem seems to be a presence of a further strain, which is called Borrelia muamu and nobody believed about any problems in other countries regarding this strain. And uh, based on the findings in California, even here in Europe, uh, some research started to look for Borrelia myamoti. And finally, we can say it was confirmed in nearly every country. And we have also noticed in some first patients from Ireland uh, this strain. The Elispot test has been used in Germany to test Lyme patients for many years now. Dr. Nicholas can't understand why it can't be used to test Lyme patients in Ireland instead of the two-tier ELISA and Western blot. This technique was introduced very early, beginning of the 19th here in Germany. It's very accurate, so we have been the first lab in Germany getting the accreditation for this testing. And it is, meanwhile, the technique, the gold standard for tuberculosis. And using the same technique, the correct antigens of Borrelia, the different strains of Borrelia, uh, what we see now since more than 15 years, really good outcoming results. And this type of testing is available for many, many viral and bacterial infectious diseases is used officially in many public hospitals and university hospitals. Nobody is uh, claiming about problems regarding accuracy, uh, sensitivity or specificity, but it's not accurate for the majority to test for Lyme disease and that is uh, nothing I can understand. Cloda and Siobhan are two of hundreds, if not thousands, of people in Ireland who have travelled to other countries to be treated for Lyme disease. Dr Nicholas believes that in order for this to change, doctors need to be educated and adequately trained in this area. So here in our clinic, since 2006, we have, six, we have trained more than 1,200 doctors, mostly from Europe, but also from other parts of the world. And I was for a long time one of the board directors of ILETS. ILETS is one of the biggest medical organization for doctors in the field of tick-borne diseases. And I was on the board of the Educational Foundation, which aim is to train doctors and to support the training. And that is what we are doing since a long time. We are offering interest doctors, trainee workshops over weekend. So ILETS, the organization, is supporting doctors for a two-week trainee program just to get better experience and better knowledge. And this is exactly what we have started in Ireland as well. And first to train the doctors to make them more confident in this uh, subject of tick-borne diseases uh, so that they will start with own activities. And this is running very successful in, in many European countries. So 
that local doctors have set up also uh, treatment facilities taking care for these patients. And my hope is to do the same uh, somewhere soon in Ireland. So we are actually in contact with some doctors and we know about all the problems with the um, authorities, uh, with the medical board, especially when the approach is different to the normal guidelines. Many people feel Irish GPs do not know enough about Lyme disease. Dr Jack Lambert says all GPs in Ireland should undergo adequate education and training. In Ireland, I have patients that are told by the GPs, oh, there are no ticks in Ireland, there is no Lyme. And that's not acceptable because we don't keep statistics, we've not done the studies, and of course there's Lyme in Ireland. The first point of call if you get a tick bite should be the GP. And the GP shouldn't call it a cellulitis, and they shouldn't be calling it ringworm. They should be aware of the rash of Lyme. If you went to the GP with ear pain, and they didn't put you on antibiotics when they suspected an ear infection, you'd develop a meningitis. If you didn't treat, it would be malpractice. I think similarly, I think if GPs are not being trained to diagnose Lyme, and they miss the diagnosis, the excuse should not be, I don't know anything about Lyme. I think it's a responsibility of the GP training bodies and the GPs themselves to learn about this disease because it's impacting on their patients. Dr Nicholas strongly agrees with Dr Lambert's views. He thinks Irish GPs don't know enough about Lyme disease and they need the appropriate training. The Irish health system or the doctors should be really aware that there's a big problem. At the end of October, I have visited a workshop in Dublin and there was a lot of interest of GPs and doctors for infectious disease specialists. So what I have learned from these colleagues, they are absolutely aware that there's something going on. But unfortunately, they do not have the experience and the knowledge to go for accurate testing and finally to start with accurate treatment. Even though Dr Jack Lambert treats people with Lyme disease in Ireland, his resources have been cut for testing patients for Lyme in the public system. I've probably treated about 50 patients in the public hospital and all my resources have been cut off there to do any testing. So over the years I've probably treated about 500 patients between the public and the private. But I only do that part-time because I have other responsibilities at the hospital and at the university. But I am the only doctor at the present time in Ireland that is doing this because it's a controversial area to many people. It's not controversial to me, but many people just say, this is the only test, this is the only treatment. So most of the infectious disease specialists are not managing these patients. And most GPs are not managing these patients either. So my hope is in the future that we'll have more GPs trained to do this and we'll have more doctors who are both specialists and primary care doctors who are willing to take online. But doctors all over Europe are afraid to go outside of the standard guidelines and outside of the standard treatment because it's an unusual disease. People are criticized. Doctors are persecuted because they actually treat the patients and don't follow the guidelines. So it's unique to this infection. We need to treat patients, not abide exclusively by guidelines that don't fit for the patients. The Infectious Disease Society of America, also known as the IDSA, compiled a set of guidelines for diagnosing and treating Lyme patients. This is one set of guidelines that the HSE follows. One of the recommendations states that long-term antibiotic treatment is not proven to be effective and may be dangerous. 
Dr. Jack Lambert, however, makes an interesting argument. As an infectious disease doctor, I treat lots of patients with complicated infectious disease conditions. You know, we treat patients with HIV for life. We treat people with hepatitis. We treat people with other infections that farmers get: brucellosis, tuberculosis, Q fever. We put people on combination antibiotics for long periods of time. My opinion, and there's lots of literature out there. That says that if you've got chronic Lyme, if it's gone into your system for a long time, you need to treat with combination antibodies for longer periods of time. Shorter courses of treatment don't work, but that's not a big deal. If you monitor people carefully on combination antibodies for longer periods of time, and they get better, and they get cured, then that's the way you should go. The debate is the guidelines, which I believe are not accurate, say. You should only treat Lyme for one month with antibiotics, and after that you're cured. And after that, it's post-infectious. If it was any other medical condition, if you weren't better after one month, you could treat for a second month with antibiotics, or you could add a second antibiotics. But with Lyme, it seems to be taboo. And I treat people for longer periods of time, and my success rate in getting people cured is is almost seventy percent. That seventy percent of people would otherwise be relegated to diagnosis of chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia or chronic pain syndrome, with no option for the future. It's far better to understand this disease and treat it than it is to just discard it and tell these patients that there's nothing wrong with them or there's nothing we can do for them. The International Lyme and Associated Diseases Society, also known as ILADS, was set up in 1999, dedicated to the diagnosis and treatment of Lyme and associated diseases. It has drawn up its own set of guidelines, which differ somewhat to those of the IDSA. Dr. Nicholas is a member of the group. There are two main differences. So, IDSA guidelines, and that's exactly what's going on in Ireland, does not accept the existence of chronic Lyme, which is completely nonsense,、uh, based on many, many publications confirming that chronic Lyme exists. And the second issue is that IDSA does not accept long-term treatment. And there's also a lot of scientific data available confirming that long-term treatment approaches could be very supportive. Ben- Beneficial and needed for patients with these chronic infectious diseases. So, what, in Dr. Nicholas's opinion, needs to change in Ireland for better testing and treatment of Lyme patients? The problem in Ireland is that there is no doctors' group so far taking care for Lyme patients. They are not organised. My hope is that maybe with the support of the patients' advocacy group, that、uh, some doctors will be the so-called frontmen to set up an individual Lyme medical association and、uh, finally to fight for these alternative solutions. That is exactly what had happened in Germany. Very successful. Dr. Lambert thinks Ireland needs to be more open-minded in its approach to testing and treating Lyme patients. I'd like the government to actually be more willing and more open to look at the other side of the coin. Now, there has been a committees put together, you know, to discuss Lyme, but all the people that seem to be invited to these committees are people who are on one side of the divide. This is the only test. This is the only treatment. There's not a dialogue. With all interested parties in Ireland, we're missing something here, and it's hurting the patients. So I think the best thing that Ireland could do, do is proactively say, "We are missing something. Let's put behind all this arguing and fighting over the testing and over the best treatment, and understand that we don't understand this disease, and put more resources into it so that better testing can be available, more training can occur in GPs, so that more GPs can manage." 
patients with these conditions so that patients don't have to leave the country to get the treatment. And then I think we need to do better researches into this infection because it's very complicated. We have to understand it better. In a written response to a parliamentary question submitted by Michal Martin on July 4th, 2017, the Health Minister Simon Harris stated that the Lyme Borreliosis Subcommittee first met on May 6, 2015 and is expected to report in 2017. The statement went on to say that along with various medical specialists, very importantly a representative from TikTok Ireland is a member of the subcommittee. The person the health minister was referring to in his reply is Anne Marr. She believes the concerns TikTok Ireland have relayed to the Irish government have fallen on deaf ears. I was invited as patient representative onto the Lyme Brillia subcommittee that was formed after the Oireachtas Health Committee meetings in 2013 and 2014. In 2016, there was no meetings of that committee and we had one in February 2017. That meeting was an eye-opener for me as a patient because I thought that we haven't moved very far along with the recognition of this disease. But this subcommittee was supposed to have a report in by the end of 2017 and so far that hasn't happened. In March this year, Meath West TD Padder Tobin raised the matter in the doll. Lyme disease is currently the world's fastest growing vector-borne infection. And people all around the country uh, are suffering from this disease. And many are radically debilitated uh, and incapacitated. Now, according to experts, there's poor awareness of the existence of the disease and the symptoms amongst GPs. And experts are stating the disease is overlooked and misdiagnosed. And many people are left in a diagnosis and treatment limbo in this country and are forced into big debt to go to Germany to receive that treatment. Will Atonista release these people from that treatment diagnosis and make sure the proper treatment is delivered for them here in this country? Deputy, I'll have to get the the Minister for Health to come back to you on that issue. It's a specific health question. In an interview I recorded with the Fianna Fáil leader Michal Martin last year, he agreed that Ireland needs to change its attitude to Lyme disease. I met with a group of people with Lyme disease and their families outside Leinster House recently where they had a very effective protest. It seems to me that the Minister for Health has been quite slow in responding to them and indeed the medical profession are not clear on the issue either. There needs to be a national clinical lead on the issue of Lyme disease either between the neurologist and the discipline of neurology because some of the effects subsequently affect that area and, of course, consultants who are specialised in infectious disease. What we picked up was there was no lead consultant in any given hospital for Lyme's disease and there's a lack, it seems to me, of, of expertise in the country. So in the end, then, people end up going to Germany and going abroad and that's a huge cost on the individuals themselves, which is unacceptable. Clarification was sought from the Minister for Health and his department. However, Minister Simon Harris declined to take part in this documentary. I also made contact with the Health Protection Surveillance Centre to seek an interview with somebody who could speak to me about the guidelines Ireland follows and the two-tier testing system. However, I was told that a doctor would be available to speak to me about Lyme disease in general, but not about the issues I had highlighted. Anne Marr has been battling the illness for over 20 years and is one of many who are now at breaking point.
At this stage, I would plead and beg that the Health Minister would take us seriously. If he has any compassion, please, 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 can we have proper tests in this country? And then, of course, the medical profession have to be educated about how to treat it. We know two to three weeks is just like taking Smarties for a cold. It doesn't work. And I'm proof of that. Michael and Eleanor echo Anne's sentiments. What really, really irritates us is different TDs, different public representatives have raised this issue in the Dáil and time after time it's nearly like a pre-printed answer from the HSE that seems to be just trotted out and it's accepted. Nobody on the medical profession is challenging it. And the challenge I will put out there is, well, if Europe is able to accept Lyme disease and chronic Lyme disease, uh, why is it that we in Ireland have to be dragged, kicking and screaming into an acceptance that there is a disease here? There's a huge difference between Lyme disease and chronic Lyme disease, and they both exist. And I'm sick of hearing people say, oh, three or four weeks of antibiotics and it'll cure you. For the patients who haven't been diagnosed and haven't got the treatment, it is chronic Lyme disease and it exists and they need to accept that. It's a far cry from being adequate. I mean, when I say it to people who call to the door when they're canvassing and you mention and say, oh, yeah, we heard, and I'd say, no, I'm talking about chronic Lyme and say oh send us it in an email and I just feel yeah and you'll just bin it. Michael and Eleanor feel that if their daughters hadn't travelled to Germany for treatment their condition would be a lot worse at this point. We've had huge success when we stand back and look at it in that we have stopped the regression of this and we've stopped them getting worse. There are many people with Lyme disease who have, the disease has progressed to a level where they're in wheelchairs, they're unable to function and both of our girls were definitely heading that direction. I feel if we had stayed here in Ireland and listened to what we were being told, they'd both be in wheelchairs now and so sick and have no hope of any sort of normal life. Siobhan and Clodagh's journey so far has been filled with many obstacles. It's impossible to predict the future. And even though the road to recovery will be long, Siobhan is optimistic. We go home around the start of December and it's now the end of April and like I've just improved massively. I feel like I'm able to do a lot more stuff. I'm back working full time now, which is five days a week. And like I'm able to get up at quarter past seven, do my treatments, head into work, come home from work or maybe go and meet somebody after work and I'm not feeling like I'm ready for bed at the end of the day, like I'm managing really well. Before I went to Germany, my quality of life at the weekends would have been poor in that I was spending most of it in bed or trying to sort of recuperate or recover for the next week. And it's not really like that now, like I can do stuff at the weekends. The Ivy really is the only explanation for me in terms of like how I'm doing so much better now yeah like I went for a walk with my cousin on the beach and we did six and a half kilometers I just can't even remember the last time I would have done something like that and not been totally wiped that was like a massive milestone for me I guess Cloda's progress is slower Dr Nicholas has placed her on a herbal protocol which she is tolerating well She believes the outcome would have been an awful lot different if she hadn't gone to Germany for intravenous treatment. Now I'm definitely so much stronger. I've been able to start a part-time job and a lot of my symptoms have improved as well. 
but at the moment I'm on a herbal protocol just because I'd struggle a lot with my gut and stomach so my biggest problem is if I go on the antibiotics they tend to affect me being able to eat and nausea and everything like that and the herbal antibiotics are obviously a lot milder on your system they just take about three or four times the amount of time to work it's definitely frustrating but after four years I just I've accepted that it's always going to be slow and especially that I am constantly on and off the protocol with the way I react I don't even want to think what state I'd be in if I didn't get that treatment like definitely would not be here The Tick That Changed Our Lives was presented and produced by Ailey Sheehy with sincere thanks to all guests. This programme was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with a television licence fee. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.